What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 91. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me as per usual, though not quite as usual, Ben Fisher. How's it going, dude? Oh, it's going. Man, listen to my voice. This is what too much Halo will will do to your voice. Oh, boy. All right. All right. We're going to start cracking those jokes already. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. But this week is our recurring Draft Chaff Hero episode for Kamigawa. We have our Neon Dynasty Draft Chaff Hero. Before we get into all of that, our usual housekeeping, but don't skip it. We have something to actually... Not that uh, they ever dare would. No, why would you? But we do have something to announce at the end of the housekeeping stuff here, so definitely don't skip through it. If you haven't checked it out already, definitely jump into our Discord. It's the best place to go to interact with us and the rest of the community on a regular basis. We have all sorts of awesome channels over there and a lot of really cool people. So check it out. Link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so via Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. Huge, huge thanks to all of our patrons who are continuing to support us over there. You've been keeping us doing this for 91 episodes. That is absolutely absurd. And we're going to try to do some fun stuff for episode 100, which will actually be right around our two year anniversary as well. So be on the lookout for all of those kinds of things. Perks on our Patreon include things like stickers, show notes, unedited recordings of the show and access to our draft draft hero cards, like the one we're going to talk about today, which we'll sign and send right out to you. Again, you can check that out on patreon.com forward slash draft pod. And now for our announcement. This is awesome. Ben and I have had this kind of in the works for a little while now. It actually happened much faster than I anticipated. But we've got some cool new stuff up our sleeve for videos. And one thing that you guys might know, we relatively recently switched hosting on the podcast from Podbean to Anchor. And that was mostly because Anchor now supports videos for Spotify podcasts. And what that means is when you're watching a podcast on Spotify or listening to a podcast on Spotify, some podcasts will now also include video form of that podcast directly in the Spotify app. You don't have to go anywhere else. It doesn't link you out to a website or YouTube or anything. It's directly in the Spotify. App. So we're trying that out. This episode, in fact, you should be able to see that. We hopefully have everything working as intended for that. But if you can't check it out on Spotify, if you're not you know, listening on Spotify, you might be on any other podcast platform. Check it out on YouTube. We're going to be releasing them there as well. But for all of our fans who are listening on Spotify, try that out. Let us know what it's like in the feedback channel in our Discord. And yeah, let us know. We're trying this out. Hopefully it's uh, a nice, interesting twist on your typical magic content. Just look at what we look like. Like, do you see me talking right now? How cool is this? Yeah, it's pretty wild. I never thought we'd uh, be in quite this form though but it's pretty good shout out actually shout out to our awesome artist joy for putting these together by the way I, if you're not watching the videos this means little to you but joy did an amazing job with the art assets for this stuff yep fantastic artist even better girlfriend i will uh can we link her her art instagram yeah yeah we'll link all her socials and stuff in the, the episode description as well so check that out if you're interested in seeing more of her stuff Awesome. All right, on to our crack and draft type thing. This week, we've got a pack one, pick one from Kamigawa, of course. And to save Ben's voice, I'm going to walk us through this one. So first up, we have the Shattered States era. And I'll kind of zoom through the commons. We can talk about what we like at the end. So Shattered States era, we've got a Moon Snare prototype, Moon Rider Patrol. We have Beckoner's Bargain, Light the Way, Lethal Exploit, Fang of Shigeki, another Moon, moon Snare prototype. So that first one was a, actually a foil. Kami's Flare. Kami of Industry, and that rounds out our commons. So, Ben, what's kind of standing out to you as common to pick here? Hmm. Bang of Shigeki is definitely the thing that I'm slamming over all this stuff. 
Weirdly enough, Kami's Flare, Lethal Exploit, these seem like the premier removal spells, but Fang of Shigeki kind of is a removal spell by itself. It's like a removal spell with legs, if you will. Or, wait a minute. <laughs> well, it is a snake, so perhaps removal spell with slithering? I don't know. But yeah, I think I'm with you. Fang of Shigeki, and we talked about it a lot last episode, so definitely check that out if you're interested in why we think Fang of Shigeki is a removal spell. But it is definitely the most exciting card of the selection here in the commons for me. Nothing else really standing out too much. I, I, like you said, the Lethal Exploit and the Kami's Flare would be fine cards. I think in terms of commons, if the Fang of Shigeki wasn't there, it'd probably be on Kami's Flare personally. But yeah, Shigeki kind of the Fang of Shigeki just kind of pushes those out. Yeah, usually we default to taking a saga, but the Shattered States era is just probably one of the worst sagas in the set. It's yeah, really the only one it. that I'm not happy to cast. Yeah, I haven't been impressed with it at all. Let's check out our uncommons and see if any of these will boot out the Fang of Shigeki. First up, we have Heiko Yamazaki, the general. This is the red Yamazaki. We also have a Blossom Prancer and a Prosperous Thief. Now, I've been pretty fond of Prosperous Thief from what I've seen it played. It, it does tend to be pretty effective overall, and generating those treasure tokens is, is not bad especially in like a blue-green deck that wants to ramp up. But that said, Blossom Prancer is also phenomenal, and it does a great job in setting up your late game, kind of getting you through the, to the mid-late game, and setting up your draws even in a little, in some weird ways. Yeah, Prosperous Thief usually gets in on that first ninjutsu hit, but then as a 3-2, it rarely makes it in after that. Between Heiko Yamazaki and Blossom Prancer, one of these asks an awful lot less than the other one. Yeah, I mean, Yamazaki needs work and setup and really only fits into really kind of one deck. I mean, there are other decks that will play Warriors and Samurais just incidentally, but if you don't put this in the red-white deck, you're probably not going to get a ton of value out of it. Whereas Blossom Prancer says, are you playing forests? Put me in your deck. <laughs> yep. Now she goes well in these, these like kind of artifacty late game grind decks that I do enjoy. And there's some fun loops you can set up with her. However, like you mentioned, Blossom Prancer is just a windmill slam and possibly a hint as to the future content of this episode. And our rare here is Brilliant Restoration. That's the three white, 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 white sorcery at rare. Return all artifact and enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. That's a powerful effect, but with four white mana and a seven cost card in the first place, it's tough to cast, <laughs> to say the least. Oh, yeah. There's no pain like having seven mana sources in play and still not being able to cast this from your hand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're pretty much never guaranteed. Uh, never is strong. But yeah, just getting seven lands with this card in your deck is not going to be enough in most cases. That said, it's a powerful effect. And if you can get it in the green-white decks that are going to be playing enchantments and artifacts, sure, great. I still think I'm just going to take Blossom Prancer here. This card is, Restoration is just a little too difficult to cast. Yep, the Lamy and the Blossom Prancer. Awesome. On to our Teferi Tybalt. This is a Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. So, Ben, I think I can guess at your Tybalt, but what do you got? Teferi Tybalt. Uh, yeah, my Tybalt's pretty obvious. I am sick. I've been homesick all week from school, which has been rough because, you know, things are going to fall behind. All you teachers out there, you know, when you're out for two days, it's a catastrophe. If you're out for like four days or a week, Man, it's like losing a month. And then your students are going to, everything falls apart. All the work, you, everything you had set up, all your lesson plans get scheduled. Now, one of the rough things about being a teacher is that it's it's kind of harder to take a day off sometimes than it is to just go in and suffer through a day. I actually did go into school yesterday, Wednesday, likely against my better judgment. I did not make that same mistake today, and I will not be making it tomorrow. 
As you can hear by my voice, my throat is just absolutely gone. I think I had some kind of flu. I don't really know. I'm definitely on the mend, but just not fully back to normal. Now on the bright side, this, my, my Teferi is that I've actually gotten a rest for once. On the bright side, I've gotten a rest. So I've been watching a lot of TV, watching a lot of movies. They put Shrek 2 on Netflix, so I was able to see that for the first time in ages. Still holds up. Shrek, Shrek 2, great movies. Shrek the third, kind of forget. Fourth, haven't seen it maybe ever. I don't know. And I've just been watching a bunch of like Arrested Development, Always Sunny, that kind of thing. Some good uh, shows to fall asleep to. And unfortunately, not been playing a ton of magic over this. My brain has just been too fried. And oh, well, I'm sure next week I'll, I'll be able to pick it back up again. Yeah, it's understandable. I, I don't even want to play magic like after a, a, a work day or something like right after work where my brain's kind of on the fritz just from working so much, let alone when I'm sick. So yeah, I totally get that. For me, my Teferi this week is actually that work has been pretty good. I've been busy, but it's been good busy in that I'm getting good stuff done. And I was able to actually pick up a couple of extra things that were not part of my general job, but were things that some coworkers needed done. So, you know, I was able to pick up an, a little bit of uh, slack's not really the right word, but but just get some extra stuff done for some folks and help them out in that way. So that was really great. And the other thing about the Teferi this week is that the weather has been awesome lately. We had like mid 60s for the last couple of days, Fahrenheit for all of you centigrade folks. And it's been mostly sunny. I mean, today it's gross, it's raining, but it has been really nice. And we're supposed to have continue to have relatively nice weather for the foreseeable future here. So I'm very excited about that. I've been getting outside and taking walks, longer walks with my dog, and it's been a really good time. My table is that I had a rough start to the weekend, had a social interaction that didn't go as I intended. I, I kind of hurt somebody and I wasn't thrilled about it, felt very guilty over the weekend. I apologized. Not sure how well received that apology was, but you know, I did what I could and pick yourself up and move on, I guess. Don't, sometimes those things happen. We all make mistakes and uh, hopefully that kind of smooths over at some point. So that's, yeah, good that's it for me. To have. On to our listener question of the week. And this week, our question comes from Dorgan. Dorgan asks, if you could change anything about Neo, what would it be? Hmm. There's a lot to love about this set. I think there's a few things not to love. One thing in particular that I noticed this past week, I posted a list in the Discord of what on paper should have been a fantastic red-white samurai deck. I had a bunch of the rares. I had some of the uncommons. A lot of the strong samurai payoff. I had even a bunch of the good commons. The deck just got steamrolled by everything. It was a joke. Wow. <laughs> it was one of the worst decks I've played in the format. Weirdly enough, I just feel like it should be better. I wish the samurai had gotten there a little better. And I wish Oath wasn't just the, the, the absurd card in the format. I found that I'll be playing like blue green and I'll see like a, a late Oath and I'll just take it and then try to splash it off of like a, a planes or something. I think maybe Oath should be a little worse or maybe a little bit more realigned to fit specifically within the samurai archetype. I think the late game decks are getting to capitalize and, and make better use of this card, whereas it should be the common that's really boosting up the samurai archetype. Yeah, I know we were worried in the beginning of the format when we were doing like the format breakdown and such about that card either being too expensive for those decks or that those decks would be more aggressively slanted, even if they wanted to survive slightly late, that they'd be too aggressively slanted for a card like that to actually work. Have you found 
found that to be the case, or I know it seems like the red-white decks can actually cast it. Like, they do survive long enough to get to six, seven mana or whatever it is, but how does it actually fit in those decks? Is it is it useful in those decks at this point? Is it something that, like, you generally can't cast? I found it castable. In fact, my deck had two copies, and it was some of the best cards in my deck. I found that in, like, the late-game go-big-green decks, the big-mode decks, as I like to call them, Oath acts as sort of a mid-to-late-game glue, that board stabilizing presence that then ropes you into your bigger and better late game plays more sagas setting up your loops establishing your engine that type of thing in the samurai deck it's just your top end and it's not providing you with access to that scry isn't scrying you into a season of renewal to get back your sky turtle to get back your season to get back your blossom prancer to to gain a bunch of life to go find an enchantment it's just making three dudes and then maybe at best the best thing you can scry into is another one like the attacking stuff just isn't as good as trying to go over the top in the late game which i think is one of my biggest knocks against this format because while fun <laughs> i'm not as good at it as i am just attacking and beating down i think in limited i've become a much better aggro player than i have a mid-range player weirdly enough my my win percentage this set 10 percent lower than last set wow you did have a ridiculously high win rate last year last uh, season but yeah that's yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that is rather significant and it's kind of unfortunate too. I mean, that's the other thing about the samurai archetype, right? Is that like, you don't actually really want to go wide because you really only want to attack with one thing. I know we talked about that at the beginning of the format as well as being potentially something that hurts the the archetype. And maybe it would be such that you would be attacking with one for a little while. And then when it became, you know, closer to getting your opponent dead or more relevant in the late game, you would just swing with everything and ignore all the extra buffs your samurai would get for attacking alone. But yeah, it doesn't seem like the deck really cares about having a ton of creatures on the board yeah red white just isn't the premier aggressive deck in the format ninjas has that locked up it just has the card advantage the smoothing the tempo and the tools that it needs to, to actually push through for damage red white i found doesn't it's missing like that one good combat trick or that one good i feel like it almost needs something similar to the effect we saw back on innistrad to make like two creatures unable to block this turn we're really missing a common that looks like that i don't know if this could be fixed by making oath the red white uncommon maybe and maybe giving it a slight power buff maybe make it cost like three red white as an uncommon and then make the current existing uncommon like a white mono white common and have it take the slot that oath is in currently i don't know if that would help kind of rectify these archetypes but uh honestly all this is just kind of moot if there was really one thing i could change about neon dynasty i would change blossom prancer's text line i would change that type line to be from spirit to a uh, elk spirit that's all i really do i was waiting for that i, I was surprised you didn't open with it <laughs> And uh, I was worried I was going to have to bring it up. But no, no, you knew it was coming. You you know me, you know me. Yeah, glad you got that in there. I think for me, the only thing I would change really is kind of the how awkward removal feels in this format. I like that it's a bit of a change. It's not something we're used to seeing, but it feels kind of awful to take picks. And maybe that's just something we need to adapt to and, and it's part of the format. Maybe it doesn't need to be changed. But in my opinion, it's a little weird and awkward and uncomfortable to have removal be so weirdly placed in this format. Most of the targets are targets that like don't get killed evenly or cleanly by these removal spells. They kind of overkill a lot of things. A lot of the targets are things that you like feel kind of bad about killing in the first place. Outside of a saga. 
Right. Like they're just things that kind of make removal feel a little weird in this format. And I, I'm not so thrilled about it. Maybe it would have been better if there was just less removal overall, but it also feels like there isn't that much to begin with. So I don't know. It, it's kind of a weird spot for removal in this, in this format. I think I'd yeah, like that to be agree. a little better balance. All right. On to our draft chaff hero for Neon Dynasty. If you haven't already guessed, it is Blossom Prancer. Yay. Woo. Our favorite not elk. Ugh. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, let's get into it. Blossom Prancer, five mana, four, four. That's just a good body in this set. In fact, I remember when I was playing my my trusty samurai deck, <laughs> just a four, four like Blossom Prancer basically renders my entire deck useless. Red and white cards really do struggle against a big stabilizing presence like this. And honestly, look at Blossom, Blossom Prancer. As a four, four with reach, it allows it to stabilize even against a few of the mythic dragons. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the reach is big here. I mean, some of the more pesky decks that these green decks can't deal with are the ones with flying white blue with you know some of the vehicles that have flying and such this pretty much stops all of them so it's very effective and then that's not even talking about the rest of the text in the card mm, so already yeah. the five mana four four with reach is just super solid you'd probably just play that on its own it probably wouldn't be draft chaff hero but it would still make it into decks the other thing is it lets you grab relevant cards on the top of your library and the fact that it lets you hit five cards from the top of your library and reveal either creatures or enchantments really just means you're never going to miss with this card. Like how have you ever missed with this card? No, never. And funnily enough, it's a may ability. So sometimes you choose to miss. You can take one of these cards or just choose to gain the four life, which can be really effective in a racing scenario or if you're getting beaten down by a bunch of flyers. But back to the the, the ability itself, the cards you're finding off this are good. Like creature or enchantment, that's better than just like a random card off the top. This is helping you find stuff like Fall of Lord Conda, Twisted Embrace, some removal spells, or maybe like a stabilized creature something like the sky turtle uh, that you could use the bounce mode or like a kami of terrible secrets or something like that yeah for sure and it's also worth mentioning that a lot of the enchantments that you're going to find with this thing will eventually be creatures as well so a lot of times you're not even missing out on on, uh, getting both of them but and then on top of that it's a lot of creatures happen to be enchantments so you know maybe this would have worked if it was just an enchantment like you would just get an enchantment card you'd probably be able to snag a handful of creatures in most decks anyway but the fact that it's it's either or really just puts us in a really solid place and then of course if that weren't enough if you do happen to whiff you're still going to get your four life which is also relevant for a card that's trying to kind of pump the brakes on your opponent and stop them from attacking get you to stabilize like it's just an all-around amazing card in this format. Mm-hmm. Now, one small note. It's a spirit, which is fine, I guess, but that just doesn't really matter. There's not really tribal synergies in this set. You know, it may as well just be an elk, maybe. Yeah, but if it wasn't a spirit, then it would never see play in banned spirits in modern. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy casting your five-drop <laughs> yeah. in modern. Let it's me know never going to see goes. play there anyway, but... <laughs> All right, so let's break down some data on this card, right? We always love to, we typically take a, a more anecdotal approach to our draft shaft heroes, but the data is available to us. We do want to break it down. So this is our number three overall uncommon for games played win rate with a pretty impressive 58.4%. It's behind only Life of Toshiro and Kappa Tech Wrecker. However, it's actually number one games drawn win rate for uncommons. Again, first one was uncommons as well. So this card is exactly what you really want to see off of the top of your library in the late game. I mean, this just helps you stabilize. It finds you more of that late game gas. And the decks that are playing a double green card, like a 4-4 body like this that want to stabilize and maybe eventually turn it sideways to close up the game, 
they do tend to want to go a little bit further, stabilize more, continue piling on the resources and get up on resources up ahead of your opponent. Yeah, one of the best things about this card in general is A, amazing value, right? It's getting you your card back. If it's not doing that, it's gaining you life, slowing the board down. It just doesn't ask you to do anything. And so... You have no setup. There's no reason not to play one in a deck that can cast it. And then it rewards you enormously for actually being able to play it. So really no downside to this card. It is a five mana with two green pips, which means you can't play it in literally every deck. But it gets played in pretty much everything, especially when you're considering this is kind of a wedge set anyway in weird ways. Mm -hmm. Just wanted to mention that, again, its actual games drawn win rate is 65.0%. That is nuts. Yeah, smack on 65%, and that's extremely high. Like two-thirds of the time you draw this card, you win. <laughs> Man, I mean, like we said, this is just exactly what you want to see off the top of your library in the mid to late game. Like You just feel like you can't lose when you have that cushion of either getting a card or four life. When your opponent decides, like when your opponent casts this, you almost don't know which is worse. Like what if they say, no, I don't even need the card. Let me just gain some life. Or if they say, yeah, let me go find that card. I don't need the life. It's like both feel like an insult to the opponent. Yeah, absolutely. Typically, if I had to give this any downside, I would say that it would be you're very rarely going to be able to cast the card you drew off of it because this is a five mana card. Mm. You're not often going to have the mana to play whatever it is that you got off of it, but you know, that's fine. You have more turns. This thing's going to buy you more turns. So you got them. Yeah, you're, you're not losing the turn after you cast this. So there's a few natural homes for the Blossom Prancer. Green White Enchantress is, is a natural one. I mean, it's a green card, right? And it finds enchantments. What more is there to say? It's very at home here. It lets you find those late game engine pieces. It actually is kind of like a giant spirited companion, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Mm -hmm. It lets you keep digging to find those pieces. We've said that the Green White Enchantress isn't really an aggro deck. It's more like a mid-range, go-over-the-top value deck. This lets you continue to build your critical mass of enchantments, where you want to just have as many enchantments in play in your hand in the graveyard as possible to keep gaining and accruing more and more value. And if you can never get one of these things back somehow from the graveyard, then you've really done it. Yeah, I mean, even in the like black-green decks where you can play something like the Gloom Shrieker, you're going to get... The ability to grab this back, it's, I guess, yeah. actually, that doesn't hit this, does it? That only hits three drops. Oh, it does. Yeah. Oh, Gloom Shrieker gets back permanence. Oh, just anything? I thought it was permanence of three CMC or less. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's anything. It's oh, stupid. Cool. All right. Yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> One fun thing you can do, though, this doesn't come up very often, but green has ninjas. You can attack with this and uh, ninja it back to your hand. If you ever do that, just send me a screenshot. You've truly gone over the top of whatever your opponent is trying to do. But other ways of, you know, rebuying, flickering, returning this to hands, getting back from your graveyard with the Gloom Shrieker, any other nonsense like that. This whole green-white enchantress deck is really just a chain of two-for-ones. So find this to get you ahead in the late game. Maybe grab the Saga off of this, uh, a puppy off of this to grab other stuff and find other stuff. And that'll usually close the game pretty effectively. The next home for this card is big mode dot deck and really any version of big mode. They pretty much all are base green, but any of the ones that can cast green cards typically are going to have this card fit right in. It's one of the better cards in the archetype overall, as you know, it kind of relies pretty heavily on the ability to find the right pieces at the right times. And this card will let you filter your top of your deck to get those pieces. And obviously combos extremely well with season of renewal. If you can trade this off, get it in your graveyard, season of renewal it back, you're going to obviously get extra value out of it. So a great target there. And you really want to kind of, if you know you have season of renewal coming or it's in your hand or something like that, you definitely want to be thinking about how can I get this in the graveyard by then so maybe 
traded off with a flyer that has is trying to get through that you might not have otherwise blocked, things like that to make sure that you can get it in the graveyard to get that value off of your season of renewal. I don't know if you want to touch on that last one or not. Yeah. One amazing play experience I have at Blossom Prancer was with Spirit Sisters Call, one of my actually favorite weird little build-arounds in the set. I know it's a mythic, you don't get it very often, but some people just think it's trash and you might find yourself getting this passed. You can slide it right into a big mode deck uh, that you're already splashing with uh, or into like a typical black-white deck. Spirit Sisters Call obviously pairs really well with Virus Beetle and Spirited Companion, those types of cards. You know, bodies that enter the battlefield and have an effect. But like we said, Blossom Prancer is just like a a big spirited companion. So I actually had a, an experience where I had two Blossom Prancers and a Spirit Sisters call. It was insane. I, I started like looping Blossom Prancers to get back other Blossom Prancers and then sacking another one to get back a, a Spirited Companion and sack that to get back a Gloom Shrieker to return a Spirited Companion to get, uh, man, it was insane. Absolutely stupid value. Yeah, that sounds incredible. Sounds like just my kind of degeneracy. It was. Okay, so while Blossom Prancer is our draft chef hero for Neon Dynasty, it wasn't the first card that came up, and it, it certainly had some other cards in contention with it. So let's talk about those. Some of the runner-ups here were Life of Tashiro Umazawa. That's one in a black for the Saga at Uncommon. First two modes are the same. Choose one of the following. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn, or you gain two life. And then the third chapter is Exile this Saga, then return it to the battlefield, transformed under your control, and transforms into a 2-3 with stuff. I can't remember what it does. Yeah, uh, it's the one that taps for mana for it to cast an instant or sorcery you pay a life to add black i don't know why it does that i'm sure it's a reference to something let us know in the discord if, if you know what they're talking about with that one i know the front is uh umazawa's jite who would have thought that getting two uses of an umazawa's jite unlimited would be pretty good when this thing kills your opponent's one drop like their life of shigeki or even their two drop like their samurai sometimes you just feel so far ahead and sometimes your opponent will play this kill your one drop pass to you and then you look at your hand and your next play also has one toughness and you go all right well i guess it's a time walk and a doom blade there you go yeah and it is the card with the highest games played win rate at 58.9 percent. so it's definitely up there in contention next we have behold the unspeakable it's just three blue blue for another saga at uncommon and it's got three different chapters creatures you don't control get minus two minus oh until end of your next turn the second chapter is if you have one or fewer cards in hand draw four cards otherwise scry two then draw two and the third chapter is to exile it bring it back as zero zero that does stuff <laughs> i rarely remember the backsides of these yeah it gets plus one plus one for each card in hand i have actually made the mistake of uh pulling out my last land while i had one of these in play and it does die however i then came to remember and i've used stuff like the dockside chef to sack creatures to draw cards mid-combat to buff it mid-combat to the surprise of my opponent that was pretty cool behold the unspeakable man speaking of five drops that don't let you lose the turn after you cast them how is your opponent attacking you for lethal when all of their creatures are minus two minus oh and then how is your opponent going to kill you through two scry two or four new cards that's nuts yeah that is uh quite the setup and presumably by turn five you've got something on the board besides this so not only are your opponent's creatures getting kind of blanked there you've got maybe they're trading down now or or something like that or not trading but you would just otherwise run them into 
something that's too big. And then it does leave behind a creature. I mean, you, you draw four cards. This might be a four, four could be, it might even be bigger. So it's something to consider. That definitely is something you want to keep in mind though, that it will die if you don't have cards in hand when this flips. So keep those lands, maybe sandbag those, try to hold on to them to keep yeah. this thing getting as big as it can. But that's a great play, by the way, big brain to be able to uh, sack the dockside chef or not the dockside chef itself, but use its ability to pump this. And our last runner up here is the Kappa tech wrecker. Our, our very own Ninja turtle one and a green for a one, three turtle ninja at uncommon. It's got an injutsu for one and a green ETB with a death touch counter on it. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you can remove a death touch counter from it. And when you do exile target artifact or enchantment that player controls, Love how they managed to sneak a Ninja Turtles and a Fruit Ninja reference all into one card. Yeah, this thing's nuts. I remember in one of my very first games in the format, my opponent played one of these, and I was like, oh, wow, that seems pretty good. And they used it to, like, exile my four drop, and I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this is, uh, yep, yeah, that works. Now, again, looping this, recurring this, getting this back from the graveyard for even more value is just disgusting. And the fact that it's a ninja, meaning you can ninjutsu it in and really sneak those triggers if your opponent doesn't have a way to block it, means that you'll often get a clean two for one out of this and you're usually killing something really good an artifact or an enchantment that could be their five drop creature just because a lot of stuff in this format is enchantment yeah it's also worth noting you can set some really ridiculous attacks up when you have this come back from something like if you get this back from the graveyard your opponent knows you've got it in hand you attack with like a five five and they're like well I, either i chump or the capitec record gets in and kills this other thing was a thing anyway. So yeah. yeah, it can lead to some basically non-choices for your opponent, which is a great place to be in in any game of Magic. So that kind of rounds up our Drash Half Hero. Blossom Prancer doing the thing, just narrowly edging these other cards out, mostly because it's a spirit and not an elk, and we <laughs> we just wanted to highlight that. But yeah. uh, we do have a few other things to kind of close out this episode. We've got some spoilers about Nuka Penna from a story perspective. So Ben, like, what's up with Halo? What's going on with <laughs> Word on the Street is drugs. Yeah, so there was an official, uh, well, official is, is interesting. It's been going on around on Reddit that apparently in a WPN release to the stores, they said that, yeah, I mean, that is a bit of a story spoiler. New Capenna is kind of like a, I guess like a mob theme set, kind of like a, a crime family's theme set. That makes sense that there's an illicit substance that the, the kingpins are going to be trading, buying, dealing in. And it sounds like on the angel created plane of New Capenna, it's called Halo. I'm picturing like maybe it's even literal crushed up angel halos or something like that. But it sounds like it's a drug that enhances magical properties. We've seen stuff like this before, right? Like this isn't too dissimilar to, to other things we've seen even like in other types of content we've seen this in spice in star wars or even dune and we've seen stuff like uh what's the one from um league slash the arcane show that was, that was a whole I haven't thing seen like arcane yet Oh, it's great. The idea of like a an a magic enhancing drug isn't new, but I guess maybe it's newish to magic. I mean, is this that different from like Phyrexian oil? Maybe if they had like if the, they served the ether from like Kaladesh was kind of this, I guess. I mean, that was more of a life substance that like actual yeah. creatures were made out of. But weren't there like rebels on Kaladesh that used stim packs? Like it wasn't like stim quick rebel like a thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking delirious. But anyway, uh apparently wizards made a, a release saying just make sure you know you can serve it as like rock candy or stuff like that but just don't serve it in like an alcoholic glass because we wouldn't want to alienate like the youth that aren't old enough to drink and it made a whole big stir on twitter you can go and see all the quotes about it it's a whole big stink i 
never really get too involved with all this nonsense, but it is funny to me. Honestly, don't, uh, I don't know. <laughs> don't take things too super seriously. This is a nonsense game. And I guess I'm interested to hear what you all have to think about this in the Discord. Hit us up in the, uh, in the feedback section. Is this like an egregious... Like, is this, is this going to lead to kids getting hooked on like meth or is this just kind of like an innocent flavor thing? It's interesting, though. It kind of reminds me of like past era of like, you know, like around the 90s, magic was like kind of a considered to be this like demonic thing that like you couldn't, uh, yeah. you couldn't yeah. let your kids get near because it would ruin them and send them spiraling downward. This kind of reminds me of that. I wouldn't be surprised if this had been done around that time. Like, forget <laughs> it. The game just would have crashed. Oh, yeah. It would be dead. Uh, interesting, at least. And it's taken them this long to even really come close to doing something like this. So, I don't know. I yeah. think I personally was like, how do you have crime bosses without illegal substances or, like, illicit substances? Like, yeah. kind of yeah. need that to make the, the plane feel genuine. They built backwards and got to this. And I think it's fine, you know? Yeah. We'll see how it goes. But I actually would love it to be related. Like, it's not just a name, right? Like, that it, maybe the drug is actually made of, like, some parts of an angel or something. Like, that would be mm-hmm. interesting. <laughs> I mean, plus, this is Magic the Gathering. Like, we've seen demons just, like, rip angels in half and eat them. Like, come on. Your kids are all out there watching Euphoria. <laughs> like, don't tell me they're <laughs> not getting exposed to drugs in other ways. And we thought it'd be cool to shout out the Tolarian Community College Kickstarter. Having recently bought a GameGenic deck box myself, we are not sponsored by them. GameGenic, if you ever hear this, please, for the love of God, sponsor us. That'd be so sick. Your deck boxes are awesome. Like, this is one of the best deck boxes I've ever owned. The professor launched a Kickstarter working with GameGenic. The professor, for those that don't know, has been making deck boxes and, and playmat and all sorts of magic item reviews for like 10 years or so. And this man is an expert on what magic players need and, and want in, in their supplementary merchandise. He's working with them to actually make his own deck box and it looks awesome. I instantly signed up and if you also value quality magic stuff, you might be interested in checking it out as well. Yeah, the reveal video was baller, by the way. All right, well, that about does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Let us know again if you enjoyed the video aspects. Check that out on YouTube if you're not watching on Spotify. If you are on Spotify, we'd really love to hear the experience, like how it actually worked, because it's <laughs> yeah. a little bit difficult for us to see as you would necessarily. So let us know that all worked out and if it's something that you're excited to see us do. Speaking of, you can let us know about that in the Discord, so check that out. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. Again, if you want to support us directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Once again, huge thanks to everybody who has been supporting us and continues to support us. And if you want to reach out to us outside of the Discord, you can do so on Twitter. Ben is at Betafish1. I'm Zach E. Hackett, and the show is at draftchaffpod. Thanks, folks, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, I'm going to keep it brief because I know you've got to go. I've actually got a, a doctor's appointment in like 20 minutes. So I do want to shout out in relation to, to Halo. I've been taking NyQuil, not quite as you know illicit or dangerous as a Halo sounds to be. But yesterday I did accidentally take two doses of DayQuil. <laughs> do not do this. I do not recommend this. I was kind of in a delirious state and I guess I just did it by accident without thinking. And I was kind of just sitting on my couch zoning out for two hours. It was a mess. I was texting Zach and I was like, dude, I'll talk to you more about this tomorrow. I'm out right now. <laughs> Hopefully, maybe Halo will have a better experience than DayQuil. <laughs> <laughs>